Welcome to Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm your host, Greg Tito. I'm joined by another host, the Clapper. Shelly Madanova. Woo! Woo! Shelly! I'm Ryan. Ryan's like upset at, at all the clapping. He's like, oh no. We what? Have to, Does I, that hurt your ears? Destroyed. Do you know some people that have really loud claps? Oh, I, I can have loud claps. Really? I've like learned not to make them clapper. too loud. Good that you've learned because yeah. sometimes like people have a really annoyingly loud clap. Yeah. It's like they cup their hands just the right way to create the, yeah. the suction. My clap will be heard in the stadium. <laughs> they, they will, will hear know, my team will know it. I am cheering for them. My quarterback of choice will hear my <laughs> distinctive clap. <laughs> my brother is a loud clapper. Hmm. But he's unaware, very unaware. Yeah. Some people are loud talkers. Do you notice that too? Where you're yeah. like, why are you yelling? I feel like my daughter is one of those people. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like just nonstop yelling. Anything, like we go outside and I'm like, the entire neighborhood does not need to know that you have to poop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when the poop, whenever it's a poop thing, the voice gets loud. Yeah. No, kids. but it's all the time. It's, really? I'm, so I'm constantly being like, shh. Maybe. Let's whisper this time. Maybe she doesn't feel like she's being heard at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cry for help. It's a literal cry for help. Yeah, she's like, Daddy, Daddy. I am hungry. Listen to me. Daniel Tiger's on TV. Play games with me. Oh, yeah, there's a lot Fiona. of Fiona. Yeah, it's true. Some people, they just have a, the loudest. It's true. I think I'm one of those people here on this podcast. No way. Yes. It's going to be super loud now. I never noticed. Poor Ryan. Poor Ryan. <laughs> Ryan has that problem, too. He's so loud. Really loud. God, Ryan. Gosh. All right. <laughs> so yesterday, I raised my voice to my child. Yeah. Because he was being a little jerk face. And he said to me, I don't like your voice right now. Mm. like you. Yeah. How dare you? Fiona has said that a lot to us, too. I don't like your She's voice. Like, right I just now. don't want to hear you talking. I don't like your voice. Usually when I'm yelling at her or yeah. like being like, hey, you know, next time try not to do this thing yeah. because it was bad. Right. And she'd be like, just stop talking about it. I don't want to hear you talking. God, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. And then Aaron gets really upset, too. She's like, what? You don't like me talking? Oh, I knew he just he didn't like the loudness of my voice that mm. I was Kind yeah. of made me laugh a little. Was he using? We're using thaumaturgy on him to have a very loud voice. Mm-hmm. It's a cleric spell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I totally knew that. I know. Right, the cantrip. Yeah. Yeah, you use it all the time at home. And press digitation. Press digitation. I love that. I remember that Just word. Can't ever say it. From the wizard, what was it? Uh, a sword in the stone. Uh, oh. It was like a. Yeah. You know, where they're doing all the cups and the things and they're washing yes. the dishes. Remember that? Yeah. I had to watch that again. A lot of people point to that on the Twitters as being like one of the best uh, movie representations of a wizard's duel. Oh. With him and the uh, uh, Mim. Mim. Mim, the bad, the bad witch lady. Hmm. Yeah. That's why I have to rewatch well, it. I might have to too. Yeah. Queen's probably. Yeah, Sword in the Stone would be perfect for yeah. them. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, you know, Edna would love it because they turn into squirrels and fish. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she would love that. Is Edna role playing yet? Oh, yeah. Not, I mean, not, like, not formally, but uh, she's always animal, being, being an animal or being an cute. animal's pet keeper or the, you know. But not in a game setting. It's, it's very close. Yeah. I really just I have th- to. I do think she's ready. Yeah, I just got to sit down and and uh, I, I don't want to do like the full on like you must choose a archer. You Roll know, like, for your stats. Yeah, down. exactly. No, it'll just be 
more uh, uh, question and answer type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Fiona can yell. She'll just be yelling. To you. Yeah, she'll be the barbarian. I rolled an eight. I'm attacking with my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Adorable. Very cool. Well, we have a very special guest coming on to the podcast this day today. Yeah, we do. Luke Gygax. That's so cool. Son of Gary Gygax, the inventor of Dungeons and Dragons. Heard one of, of one it. of the adventures. Yeah, I've heard of it mm-hmm. once or twice. Yep. Him and uh, I think I saw like an episode of Community or something. <laughs> just one. Yeah. Maybe two, three. No, just one. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be very cool. He's going to talk to us about Gary Con as well as uh, what it's like growing up. Gygax, I think is how he put it. I am very curious. Growing up, Gygax. It sounds like it's a uh, memoir. Yeah, in the making. Yeah, yeah, we'll help him write it. You can, you can write it for him. I will ghostwrite it. Yeah, you'll totally publicly. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the ghostwriting. So that'll be cool. And uh, Gary Khan is a great event in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, every year uh, since the unfortunate passing of, of Gary Gygax. Um, uh, but we'll talk to more about that and what they've got on Slate this time. I think a bunch of D&D folks are heading this year yeah. to it uh, in March. Yep. I'm blanking on the exact dates, but I think it's in we'll March. We'll find out. But we'll find out when Luke is on. Exactly. A good resource to find out. Uh, Shelly, what else is going on in the world of Dungeons & Dragons? Endor, Avalon Hill. Anything fun you want to talk to us about? How's Betrayal doing? So fun. Yeah. I'm good. Still doing really well. Still rocking it out, right? Yeah, I'm very pleased with uh, what I've seen on the Twitters. The people who have said that they, due to my constant yapping about the game, some people have actually picked it up and enjoyed it. Sweet. So thank you for letting me know that. All due to your yapping. My yapping <laughs> paid off. Nice. <laughs> I think it's very cool. And I love that it's like a modular system, too. Like, yeah. it can just keep adding stuff to it. It's yeah. neat. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows where we'll take it next? Ugh. Well, actually, I do. I, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you. That was a really good slow play there. You're like, who knows what we're going to be doing next? But yeah. we'll get some uh, news out of that soon. Uh, speaking of news, Tales from the Yawning Portal we talked about last week. Yeah. It is announced. We'll be coming out March 24th in all of your game stores and uh, April 4th everywhere online yeah and in the world so the the last time we, we recorded yes this podcast and you mentioned it yeah. like a hundred times i heard merle's talking to someone in an interview and he was like oh it releases oh now i can't remember and i said april 4th i yelled across the nice yes was that when he was doing the uh, interview with todd yeah. kenrick and he looked at me and he was like oh, she doesn't know. She's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I swear to God, it's April 4th. You learned it on the podcast, even I though did. you don't actually listen to the podcast. No. <laughs> Not listening even right now. No, it it just actually, goes out into the world nope. and it doesn't exist. Blah, blah, nope, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Tales from the Outing Portal is a uh, collection of seven D&D adventures from D&D's past. So cool. It's things like uh, uh, Tomb of Horrors and... Uh, against the Giants uh, from the Wayback Machine are in there, as well as some newer ones, uh, White Plume Mountain, uh, including a 5th edition playtest one, Dead and Thay, I believe. Uh, oh, the the cool. dungeon from that was pulled out and taken in. You can find out more about that 
uh, on uh, Forbes.com, actually. Uh, our friend Todd Kenrick came to the office and recorded Mike, and uh, Mike has some, some great tidbits there, so go look for it. And I think you can Forbes. even hear me laugh in the background. Really? I think Shauna said that. Oh, my God, that's awesome. She's like, I heard like a hyena in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. And then I realized, oh, it's clearly it's, you. that's Shelly. Right. Uh, and don't if you're, film right outside my cubicle. Just don't do it. Okay. All right. Okay. That was me. I told him to do it there. Is that my <laughs> Just fault? in case Merle's needed help remembering. Yeah, exactly. Dates. I was like, if you ever need anything, Shelly's right there. <laughs> I can't think of that sixth dungeon. Dead in day. Here it is. So in theory, these are done. They're done. So can we play Tomb of Horrors? Yeah, of course. Let's do it. Updated for fifth edition. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. And uh, then, of course... Uh, we're going to have, uh, we, well, we did a lore, you should know, on the Yawning Portal last week. So if you're confused about that, go check that out. Chris yep. and Matt uh, exposed all kinds of details about what the bar is like, uh, what Dernan, uh, who is depicted on the cover. Dernan. Dernan. Uh, he's, he is one of the first people who went down into uh, the portal to Undermountain. Saw and a business opportunity. Instead of uh, his, real estate, his, his real friend cheap. Mert the Moneylender uh, uh, went into doing all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, turned in just bought a bar. Why not? And built it over over the top of the, the Yanni portal. So cool. Location, cool. location, location. That's what he was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. He knows. He knows. He knows where it's at. Dernan. Um, and then uh, we have some other lore that we want to talk about. Oh, right really? about now. Uh, all right, great. Uh, welcome to Lore You Should Know, the segment where we delve into Forgotten Realms lore uh, to give you dungeon masters and players of Dungeons & Dragons out there some little tiddly bits to work into your games and or just provide fun lore that you can uh, whip on your friends and they'll be like, what? And I'm like, no, I've heard it on Lore You Should Know. Uh, I'm Greg Tito and I'm joined by Matt Cernet. Hello. And Chris Perkins. Howdy. And today, we are going to talk about a, a topic that I was interested in learning more about, Blackstaff, which, as, as Chris asked just before we started recording this, there's definitely very different meanings for that word uh, in mm-hmm. the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Chris, why don't you go through those three quick categories that you rattled off? Oh, they're not really categories. When we're talking about the Blackstaff, it can be a little bit confusing because there's the Blackstaff itself, which is a staff an item, a symbol of authority, power, and magic in the realms. And then there is the person of the same name who wields said sword, uh, who is called the Blackstaff and holds a prominent position in the city of Waterdeep. Um, Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about where, who, let's start with Kelvin. Yeah. Since when we think about the Blackstaff, Kelvin Arunson is our sort of main Blackstaff dude. Yes, he is. And before you, we we touched on this a little bit in the Waterdeep uh, uh, segment of Lori Should Know uh, from this summer, but now we're just going to delve in a little bit deeper into uh, sure. exactly what the, the Blackstaff is about. So, Kelvin Blackstaff is the uh, son of a half elf and a human uh, in uh, Mythdranor, back when Mythdranor was still a great big fantastic city. Uh, and before it was ruined and rebuilt and then ruined again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's a super old uh, character. And um, he 
came to power uh, in Mythdranor as a wizard learning magic from the elves, uh, despite sort of their disdain for having humans among their um, elven academies of wizardry. And um, so he's, he's back at the period of the realms when uh, humans are still really spreading out from um, places like Unther and Mulharand and so on, and establishing themselves in the Dale Lands. Um, he's, he was born, I think, maybe about 400 years after the, the Dale Lands compact. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, the, the humans are pretty well established around there, but it's still a long time ago. It was, it's about 400 DR or 412 or something like that. So, um, so that's about almost a millennia right. from when our current timeline is. Correct. And so, uh, as you might imagine, somebody who's uh, lived through about that thousand years or so, he did a lot of stuff between then and now. <laughs> and uh, along the way, he eventually uh, made his way into Waterdeep and um, became the city's uh, uh, sort of lead wizard. Um, I think it, it was passed down to him after um, the man whose name I'm going to forget now that I'm sitting here trying to think of it. Uh, who uh, set up the city's um, idea of uh, the Aragon, the, or, or, not Aragon, um, Agar, Agar, Agaron, Agaron uh, who set up the city's uh, sort of system of government and... With the max, mass lords. The mass lords and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Right. Uh, and he kind of became, uh, assumed that the role of sort of chief wizard. Uh, he was a mass lord in the city for many years. And then uh, he left for a time, and he had a son who was in the city for a while, and then he had a grandson who was in the city for a while. Meanwhile, he's doing other stuff. Uh, he's going out into back to Mythdranor and adventuring around with um, some people out there. He's hanging out with uh, the various members of the Seven Sisters. Uh, he's, I mean, just doing all kinds of different things. Um, his grandson then uh, disappears traveling the plains, and some play, some say that he's gone to uh, O-Earth, and, i.e. Greyhawk. And so somewhere out there, there's a, 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 a Kelvin the Younger wandering around <laughs> oh. Greyhawk, <laughs> rubbing shoulders with Morden Gaiden and, and Otto and who knows what. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Kelvin Blackstaff, then the grandfather, comes back to Waterdeep. He doesn't look a day older, and so he just sort of steps into the role of his grandson and pretends to be his grandson. <laughs> and, uh, and then is, uh, again, a mass lord and a leader of the city. And he's a leader of the Harpers for a long time. Later they split. Um, yeah, there's a splinter group called the Moon Stars that sort of comes out of the Harpers, and Kelvin is kind of the father of that organization. Right. What was that uh, schism about? So uh, Kelvin's always been very practical. Mm. So that's kind of his character is when the chips are down, he's going to do what it takes to uh, get the right result. And the means to getting that result aren't necessarily very important to him. So uh, one of the reasons why the Harpers split and he formed the Splinter Group is that he actually aligned himself with Fazul Chembril, uh, who is a longtime enemy of the Harpers, member mm. of the Zentarum. Uh, super evil uh, cleric and and so on and so 
um, of Bane slash Ipiachu Zim slash Siri. I mean, whatever. <laughs> so it's, it's really complicated. All these segments that we've done are now like, <laughs> it's basically the one continuous mm-hmm. uh, net of lore. So, uh, you know, he, he aligns himself with Fazul and the Harpers figure this out and uh, he actually gives like this super powerful magic item to Fazul to, uh, to go and uh, do something that Fazul does and fights a bad guy. And, and like, basically, he heads off a, a a greater evil by giving a lesser evil a really super powerful evil weapon. Mm. Uh, Which the Harper's naturally objective. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't we have maybe done this without helping evil? He is an Uh, ends ends justified to means guy and there are much more that like, hey, means matter too. Uh, And so uh, that starts that schism. A whole bunch of other events happen. There's whole novels written about uh, Kelvin and what he does and so on. Uh, eventually he dies and the, the, his death is actually sort of this, um, uh, sacrifice that powers a super magical spell that sets up this mythal that creates this super magical city somewhere in the high moor that is actually the sanctuary for good wizards and it's, gets really mysterious. Um, but, uh, he's dead and gone in theory. Uh, what you come to learn through that series of novels, though, is that uh, Kelvin's a really creepy dude. Um, <laughs> so he made the Black Staff, which is this symbol of authority and power in, in, in Waterdeep. And uh, what it has been doing is every time someone takes the role of the Black Staff um, after him and in between and so on, every time they die, their soul is basically sucked into the Black Staff oh, okay. and kept on as an advisor to the per- next person who wields the Black Staff in the city. Oh. And so, uh, in theory, uh, Kelvin's soul uh, went on to some fantastic afterlife somewhere and, and so on and so forth. In actuality, uh, he's stuck around and he's still there in the Black Staff and talking with the current holder of the Black Staff, Vajra, um, who was the inheritor of the Black Staff because her former mentor and lover was the previous Black Staff, mm-hmm. who His is also grandson? in this. No, no, not no, the, the title, not the person. Got it. <laughs> so we're so if the Black Staff right now, I think holds some uh, six or seven personalities, including Kelvin uh, the Elder. I see. Um, and so Vajra has access essentially to all these personalities and knowledge of these super wizards. It's not complete access. They have some control over what they tell her and so on and so forth. But ultimately, I think, honestly, Kelvin has all the control. He's and the dominant personality. Yes. yes. In it. And he's yes. he's parceling out knowledge. And, and so he actually, it's kind of creepy. He's controlling that access to even her former lover's soul inside. Ooh, that's yeah. creepy. <laughs> um, what's really interesting, uh, just sort of on a soap operatic level, is that uh, one of Kelvin's um, mates was Leral Silverhand. Oh. Leral Silverhand is the current open lord of Waterdeep. So she's the highest ranking of the, the lords of the city. Mm-hmm. So, um, in effect, Kelvin, what's left of him, is now advising the current Blackstaff, um, this young woman, uh, who is, in theory, working for his, Kelvin's, former wife. Interesting. Um, 
Now, does, does uh, Laren know that the Blackstaff holds this, or is this what she, only the people... She does. She yeah. does. Oh. Yeah. 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 And that was addressed to a degree in Ed's, uh, I think it was his last novel, Death yeah, Mask. Death Mask. Death Mask. Uh, where essentially Laryl wants the staff and uh, ends up not getting it. Mm. Um, and uh, Does she want it for the power that it holds, or just so that she can talk to... Uh, uh, little column A, little column B. Yeah, Laryl's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not exactly a nice person either. Uh, yeah, but she, that's she why they were such a good pair. She yeah. misses Kelvin. Um, she still has a lot of affection for him and would like to have him by her side, as it were. Right. Uh, but currently, he is in the clutches of this other, much younger mm-hmm. woman. And and like I th- I think that that's that's all part of Kelvin's weird master plan. I always think of when I think of Kelvin. I think of him as this spider. Um, he's, I think he's actually referred to as a black spider in some, some of his monikers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we had the Sundering, uh, some of the events there, the moon stars came back. So, again, if you look at one of Ed's novel in the Sundering, uh, which, the title of which is escaping me. The Herald? The Herald, I think. Whichever one the last one was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the moon stars went quiet. Uh, the Harpers were sort of active, but they got sort of quashed. Their main headquarters got smashed, and so they sort of, sort of splintered off into weird little groups and mm-hmm. so on. They kind of started uh, reconfiguring together with one another. And um, in the events of the Sundering, uh, a prediction that was made, or that that uh, by made by Alondo or um, the other seer in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, was something that Kelvin read and foresaw hundreds of years ago in Candlekeep. Oh. And that is when he decided to form the Moon Stars. The Moon Stars effectively got activated as sleeper agents mm. during the events of the Herald and started enacting his plan, which was to essentially um, use the mythal in Mithranor, which is something he's very familiar with, mm-hmm. to uh, effectively stop... Um, the Shadowvar leader from uh, gaining control of uh, the the, we- the weave of magic in the world and that kind of a thing. So, uh, you know, he he's he's a long play guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he found this out hundreds of years ago and kind of started this chain of events. As a chain yes. of events. Yeah. Right. Which is only now some of the people of Forgotten Realms are right. trying to figure out that this yes. was his long play all along. Right. And so, so you know, now you've got this character who's who's hiding in this staff and, um, you know, what's his long play now at this point? You know, right. he, there's this, I forget the name of the uh, the, the weird city that he constructed out in the High Moor, but it's it's almost like a Brigadoon-type place. You can't get there unless you're sort of virtuous enough. Mm. And uh, if you try and go there and just, like, find it on a map, it, you, you'll never get there. there. Yeah. Got it. Um, and so, uh, you know, what what is his long play now that he's got Vajra and the staff and this weird place out there? What's, what is his next thing that he's got going? What does he foresee now that he's playing against? Uh, so he's a really interesting, uh, fun character that I think we'll definitely see again in some form in the right. future. Does did does he control who gets the black staff at this point, or was he kind of stuck with Vajra? Uh, I think, in in some sense, he was stuck with her. I don't think he could necessarily predict. Well, hmm. Mm. well, it's Kelvin. (laughs) Exactly. It's unclear the extent to which he has allowed this to transpire. Mm. So the previous holder of the Blackstaff 
was the the uh, lover and mentor of the current holder of the black staff, Vajra. Mm-hmm. And so why did he pick her as his apprentice, take her as a lover, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Right. Maybe did, did Kelvin advise him to? Um, right. Did the staff tell him to or guide him to or lead him to that? Right. So un, it's uncertain. <laughs> You know, Interesting, and and then you know whenever uh, Vajra goes and consults the staff for information, obviously it's a huge store of information. But is she getting the truth? Is she mm-hmm. being manipulated? Can yes. she know? Right. One of the things we know about Vajra is she's a very capable but young and inexperienced wizard. Um, she hasn't been around the way Kelvin, you know, for the thousands of years he's been around. Right. Uh, she's insecure. Um, she's not without her gifts for sure. Like. The staff would not have landed in her lap if she was completely undeserving of it. Right. Uh, but uh, she's got a bit of a confidence issue, which is touched on in Ed's novel, Death Masks. She doesn't feel like she really deserves the title or the position or what she's gained. Um, but she's going to try to live up to it as best she can. So that insecurity, I think, plays to the staff. The staff can leverage that and coax her into doing things which are much more assured and ambitious person might be resistant to. Got it. Um, yeah, I think that's very true. So again, Kelvin is, is a creepy dude. Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I, I have two final questions here. One is, is, is the Kelvin that's inside the staff the same as he was when he was alive, or has he been a bit? No. Uh-huh. Is it like <laughs> a sh- I think I think being disembodied and trapped in a staff does things to yeah. you, right? That's and why he, it's he, a shard of his personality. He had weird stuff done. So, so one of the things that happens in, in one of the um, the novels with Kelvin is that there's a moment where. Um, where Kelvin's, Kelvin is revealed uh, because he's he's being attacked by all this magic that's that's just blasting him and stuff like that, and and some of the the powers that he uses to maintain the illusions of what he is is stripped away, mm. and uh, and he is he has become this sort of weird living mummy of magic, and it's this sort of bizarre uh, you know more elven than human slash less human than undead like it's a very strange like and Laryl sees that she sees this this creature um, Mm -hmm. that he's become and her reaction to that is really interesting which is basically like what great sacrifices my love has made for the world right Uh, whereas you know I think most rational people would be like what the hell yeah why did you do that but he's like okay this is why (laughs) what have you done yeah Uh, and I think it's it's really interesting too that she still wants to be reunited with him despite the fact that it's not even really him it's a a portion of him right so even even the sort of the living Kelvin that that most people are familiar with in the lore of the Grant Realms when you read novels about him and stuff like that you know he's got this black beard with a white patch in it and you know he's um, you know, kind of a hale and hearty uh, kind of dude. Um, that itself is is just a mask which he's wearing because he's actually like this weird eleven foot tall arcane mummy thing. It's very strange. Oh, okay, so his actual appearance 
It might be seven, not eleven, but okay. <laughs> so he's basically been an illusion this whole mm-hmm. time. Well, wow. I think I think he is, he's basically just sucked in so much magic and dealt with magic so much on such deep levels. Right. So characters like um, Elminster and uh, the Seven Sisters and so on, uh, they are all dealing with these powers and the weave, and they're they're being touched by it and, and all these kinds of things all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing about them is that uh, with um, they're effectively demigods because literally the Seven Sisters are daughters of the goddess of Mistress, and Elminster has been in a chosen of, of the goddess of uh, magic for a long time. Uh, Kelvin was at one point a chosen of Mistra. His status now and for a long time has been a little bit mi- uh, mysterious. Right. And so... You know, what does having all of that access and all of that pressure of magic do to you, you right. know, over time? Due to a, a yeah. sort of psyche. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like he's evolved into something undefinable. Ripe to be either hero or villain. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, and so my second final question was just kind of to close a loop here. Uh, uh, Force Grey is under the command of the Blackstaff. Yes, Vajra. Right. Correct. Right, and so they are kind of similar to the uh, the Harper Schism group, um, the arms of, of you know authority that 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 she can use. Now, were they were they first formed by Kelvin or one of his forebears? Yeah, they were formed by Kelvin. That's another mm-hmm. one of his. So, uh, Kelvin in his role in the city, um, he kind of became the head of the uh, Wizards Guild, which is an informal guild in, in Waterdeep uh, in many respects. Basically, if, if you're a spellcaster of the arcane sort and you come into the city, you're, you're pressured to join this guild. Mm-hmm. And if you, especially if you're staying for any period of time, if you're just passing through or whatever, yeah. but if you're gonna live in the city, they want you to join, they wanna keep tabs on you, and they, they want you to be available to help the city as needed. And so it's kind of a funny thing where, where essentially uh, you're on call, like an on-call doctor or something like that. Right. So you might be a wizard going about your business, uh, and you know, and then you, you, you go to bed at night and you get a knock on the door at four in the morning, and, and some city watchmen are like, hey, we have this weird problem. There was this XYZ magic thing that happened. Can you come investigate? And you're like, well, I, and they, hey, you're a guild member. You know, okay, well, fine. And, you, know, you put on your robe and you go and you, off and you solve crimes <laughs> or whatever it might be. Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, obviously when the city is under threat, those, those wizards are all activated and, and organized and so on. But it's a pretty loose organization that helps the city. Um, but it's, at this point, it is sort of a de facto part of the city government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Force Grey um, was brought on essentially by – created by Kelvin as a group of people who could just break all the rules. Mm. And, um, and so Force Grey has, again, been sort of re – Activated, uh, recreated with Vajra um, and uh, various other characters to um, be this other group that can break all the rules. You know, the, the, there's uh, they they don't concern themselves with collateral damage, right? Yeah. So, and that seems definitely in line with what we know of, mm-hmm. of Kelvin and yes. the Blackstaff right now. Yes. Interesting. They're all about solving the the ever present greater evil, uh, but. If some buildings fall down as a consequence, right. so be it. If some lesser evils happen mm-hmm. along the way, yeah. Uh, uh, well, that that's D and D adventurers to a, to a T, <laughs> right there. 
Uh, excellent, guys. I think that's a great uh, delve into what's happening. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ed's books uh, a lot as something to go into if you're more interested in, yeah, in Blackstaff. Um, um, but what are some other? You know, there was a series of novels. Yeah, there's, that people there's a novel, um, Blackstaff, and there's a novel. Uh, is it Blackstaff Tower or is it just? Oh, uh, yes, that rings a bell. And those are by Stephen Shen, right? Stephen Shen, yeah. There's yeah. a bunch of Stephen Shen novels that are they're all about Kelvin that mm-hmm. are great to check out. Um, there's, if you're interested in The Seven Sisters, there's a number of novels that featured them. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. But both Ed Greenwood and Stephen Shen, um, who worked very closely together mm-hmm. on their various novels, have, have really, th- those are the two who have really brought Kelvin to life. Cool. So go check that stuff out if you're more interested. Yeah. Um, excellent. Thank you, guys. Uh, that was a good, good segment. I, Thank I, you. I feel like yep. I learned so much. I'm going to learn more next Until week. next time. Until next time. Then. All right. All right. Thanks. Uh, so that was really cool, and I can't wait for Luke Gygax to uh, call it up. Call it up. Beep, boop. Hello. Hello. Uh, hi, is this Greg? Hey, Luke. How's it going? It's Greg. It's going great. <laughs> <laughs> we have Shelly here, too. Hi, Luke. Hi, Shelly. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Not doing too bad. Well, thanks uh, for taking the time to call in. Uh, how's the connection yeah. from you? Can you hear us okay? Yeah, I hear you just fine. I've got a great connection. Good. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, we wanted to talk about uh, uh, what's going on with GaryCon this year. Uh, so, you guys, yeah, why, why don't you just first give us, like, a background about uh, how it began and uh, and what you guys are planning this year. Sure, absolutely. Um, GaryCon uh, has its roots um, in a very sad event. Um, it, uh, you know, my father passed away uh, in March of uh, 2008. And um, I decided uh, with my brothers and sisters, I, um, we decided, well, uh, you know, after the funeral, we would like to get together and we thought it would be appropriate, uh, appropriate to rent uh, the American Legion Hall, which had been the uh, site of uh, some early uh, TSR conventions, um, you know, winter fantasies and spring revels and little small conventions like that that I remember as a boy. And uh, we would go back there and, and have uh, some food, some drink, and uh, I'd you know, set up a little podium uh, for people to share their favorite story about my father, mm-hmm. and of course, tables to play games uh, because that's what he loved doing so much in life was was playing games. And uh, so after the after the funeral, everyone came over, um, and uh, you know, we, we actually had a pretty you know it was a really nice uh, opportunity for people to talk and chat and share stories, and it was very cathartic. And uh, someone uh, was talking to me. They said, "Hey, uh, hey, look, this is really great. Uh, you should do this every year." And I said, oh, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good idea. And Jolly Blackburn happened to be there, um, and he's uh, he pens the, uh, the next to the dinner table comic, and uh, he said, yeah, you can call it Gary Con, which of course is uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of their characters. It's kind of a, a sort of like Gen Con, yeah, but it's something called Gary Con. Uh, and so uh, I said, okay, I'll do it. And the next year, I just posted up on some forums and said, hey, let's do a, a game day. We'll do a weekend. And uh, come if you'd like to. And I just figured I would, uh, you know, host a party every year for a small group of people. Well, about a hundred and I think 160 people ended up showing up uh, to that game day. And uh, uh, I decided, well, there appears to be a lot of interest. So I hmm. um, put together a business and it started growing. And uh, last year at GaryCon 8, we had to move to a larger venue, the largest venue in, in Lake Geneva, the Grand, uh, the Grand Geneva Resort, um, which is the former Playboy Club and was the site of Gen Con 10 
uh, back in 1977 that would have made it Wow! Uh, for Gen Con 10. Uh, so, yeah, it, we're there now this year, and we have uh, – it's, it's growing. Uh, we have over 1,200 events over the four days. March 23rd to 26th uh, is when Gary Con is this year. Uh, tickets are uh, – you can still get badges. We have not started our badge registration until uh, open registration will begin on the 21st of January. Uh, so it's time to uh, go to the website um, uh, and uh, purchase your badge. Um, this year, I'm, we're using a, a third-party website, tabletop.events uh, slash GaryCon9, and that's where you can get your badges. Uh, really great, uh, easy-to-use site. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, and some of the guests that we have this year, uh, we have a lot. Um, the old guard uh, returning guests are guys that were really, I've known kind of almost, they're pretty much like uncles uh, uh, to me because I grew up with them. Uh, you know, Frank Menser, uh, Jim Ward, uh, Tim Cask, Tom Wom, and Mike Carr. Mm. Um, all come every year, and they're you know obviously uh, old. Uh, you know, have been there since the beginning, uh, beginning days, the very very early days of our hobby. And then of course we have many many uh, returning and new guests. Um, last year we were fortunate enough to have a couple a couple folks you know, um, uh, Mike Merles uh, stopped by, um, as well as uh, uh, Jeremy Crawford was there last year as well from from uh, Witches of the Coast. Yeah. Um, yeah, Larry Elmore will be back again this year. Oh, awesome. uh, great artist. Yeah, great artist friend. Margaret Weiss, uh, author of, you know, Dragonlance, has many, many other books as well. Uh, is there, you know, I mentioned Jolly Blackburn and, and, uh, uh, you know, Steve Schultz and, uh, all, all the, all, all these guys who, uh, obviously knew and worked, uh, along with my father and some who were just inspired by Dungeons and Dragons, uh, in general, uh, come and, you know, help us, uh, Help us celebrate my father's uh, life and works, and uh, we play a lot of games, a lot of really great games. Uh, have a lot of neat, uh, you know, art and souvenir items mm-hmm. uh, that we've come up with over the years, and we just have a lot of fun. Um, so I, I uh, uh, you know, we, we get together and play games, and at, at Gary Con, the emphasis is on gaming with a capital G. So we have, <laughs> uh, you could just you can play. In anything from chainmail to fifth edition at Garycon uh, in, in any given day, uh, you can crazy. sit down and you could play. Yeah, you could sit down and play Tractics, which is uh, an old you know World War II armor uh, uh, rule set written by Mike Reese and my father, and you can play it with Mike Reese, so referee it there. Wow! And then you could go to uh, uh, jump into an adventures uh, adventures league uh, and uh, uh, play with, uh, you know, Mike Morales or Jeremy Crawford or uh, some of those other great guests there. So you can span the whole spectrum of gaming from, you know, uh, tabletop uh, war gaming all the way to uh, most current role-playing events. That's so so I don't amazing. Think, yeah, and I don't think that that can be matched. I don't think any other convention uh, can say that. Um, no, uh, maybe, no. Yeah, uh, where you can sit down with the creators from... Uh, uh, I think we're going to put together a panel this year and have... Uh, representatives from every edition of Dungeons and Dragons to talk about game design, you know, D and D through the, through the ages. Oh, that's uh, so for cool. each edition. Yeah. Right. Cause you're going to have Tim, you know, I, I, I believe Tim Cass is going to participate and he was there editing the original D and D obviously first edition uh, stuff. We have, uh, you know, Frank Mentor could be there talking basic and that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, Zeb Cook, uh, <coughs> again, uh, this year, Skip Williams, you know, Rob Schwab, obviously Mike, um, that's definitely one of those panels I want to 
I just want to see. I just want. I just want to see everyone sit down together and talk yeah. about how they yeah. envision how they envision Dungeons and Dragons and the changes and what they think is the important aspect and how that's evolved and how maybe uh, you know one of the earlier ideas that came about you know was riffed off of and 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 developed into you know uh, how the game is formed and, and played more so now. So I just think that sort of stuff is kind of interesting because um, I'm. <laughs> right. I think, uh, I think you're not biased you. at all. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. So I think it, that's pretty interesting stuff, and uh, just what an experience, what an opportunity to sit with all those folks in a small, intimate uh, setting. Uh, you know, at a resort in Lake Geneva, where Dungeons and Dragons was created, where TSR started. All that history is there. Those folks are there, old and new, and there's just for me. For me, it's satisfying on many levels, but what I think it brings to an attendee is you're just in this intimate, close environment. Um, I've had people tell me it's like going to a family reunion, mm. but with the family that you pick, not the family oh, that you're born yeah. into, because <laughs> it's your gaming family. Yeah, uh, and people are inclusive, um, and you know, you can form some some good uh, good co- there's good camaraderie there. You form some friendships, and there's all sorts of interesting uh, folks in the industry to talk to, and 1,200 people and, you know, 50 guests or whatever we have coming this year, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. Um, pretty good ratio. Um, my friend, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, also a person who helps me out a bit with Garycon as well, uh, Thomas Valley, uh, described it as, uh, he said he described something like that. It has uh, the highest uh, <laughs> um, wizard to muggle ratio out of any convention he's gone to. Ah, so that's, that, that that's was awesome. kind of his reference. <laughs> so I, I thought that was cool, so I, I stole that line from Thomas, but I wanted to give him the credit for that. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. really good. Yeah, I, I think I went yeah. to uh, Gary Khan 2012, I think. It might have been four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I know it's it probably grown and changed even since then, but I remember just yes, being floored about how these people who were very involved in uh, the creating of this thing we're still there to talk about it and wanted to tell you stories and uh, we're just, you know, they were half amazed and half thankful that you were able to put this together uh, mm-hmm. and, and continue the, that tradition. And it's it really is a special place to be. I mean, you have people talking about, uh, you know, dragon slaying stories from, you know, 1971 and they're telling these stories as if they were, you know, that they had just happened. Uh, and, uh, you know, I can't tell you the number of stories I heard like that over the course of the whole weekend. And it really just, you know, reaffirmed my love of the hobby. And I went back home and just felt very inspired. So, I, yeah, I suggest everybody who's in the area or even if you're not in the area, travel yeah. to, to Lake Geneva and check it out. It's, it's really interesting to be there. And as you said, just like where all this history happened, I think Trevor Kidd, when he went there last year uh, from our team, he took uh, – some pictures and did like almost like a little Twitter photo essay of uh, places from yeah. D&D's, you know, uh, uh, you know, landmarks in, 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 in and around the town. And uh, I know people got a lot of, you know, a big kick about that by seeing it just on, on, on social media. Yeah. But it's even better when you see it in, in person. I know that everybody who from from Wizards that went and came back was they were very inspired. Like you said, everybody loved the show. I don't know if, you know, what they expected, but they were blown away by mm. By how great it was and how, how just yeah, being yeah. being around all those people and I think like you you said Luke to have that much history in one room and like you can actually like you know they attend these people attend other conventions but these conventions have fifty thousand people and it's hard to find Margaret Weiss you know when she's not running off to a panel or doing a signing or something and 
It sounds like you really would have the opportunity here to just actually sit down and, yeah. and maybe play some games and play yeah. some games. That would yeah. be amazing. Well, yeah, absolutely. Focuses on on game playing. Um, obviously, we add uh, you know seminars. Some people really enjoy question and answers panel seminars. So uh, we've added more of those over the years. Um, but yeah, certainly. I mean, there's just certain little facets about Pericon because it's really run by you know it's in honor of my, of my dad and it's run by my family, my brothers and sisters. I'm primarily the, the you know doing most of the organizing work on, but they are definitely all involved. Come and and help. And that environment, that personal you know, touch and the family feel, uh, uh, kind of brings something a little special to it. And also, you know, like uh, Frank Mentor for the last uh, few years has opened up his home and invited folks if they come on Wednesday, on Wednesday evening, they'll have folks over uh, for some, you know, to tour his house and see his game collection and chat with him and just welcome him in his home. You know, he's about half an hour away from uh, Lake Geneva. Mm-hmm. And he has like, a desk that my, my father's old desk that was in his office that he, that he used. And so, you know, amongst his many artifacts and things like that, but he'll just sit and chat and, and welcome people into his home. Uh, much like my dad would do, uh, guys would just walk up. Sometimes we was working on a front porch in, uh, 316 Madison street where he, where he lived his last home. And, uh, uh, sometimes people would walk up and knock on the door and start, you know, talking like a, a are you Gary Guy Gags? And he's like, oh yeah, hey, how's it going? You know, have, have a seat. Or they give him a call and say, hey, we don't want to serve you. He's like, oh yeah, uh, well, I play games on Thursday, so uh, we have an opening at the table. No Come way. on in. And, yeah, absolutely. He would welcome people. We had, when I was uh, in college, we had four people uh, enter the group. Uh, that way they come and sit down and play, you know, it's a friend of a friend or... <laughs> Uh, things of that nature. And That's he was just so very amazing. welcoming that way. Both me and Shelly are looking at each other with our mouths open being like, what? Really? Meanwhile, if somebody called yeah. my house at yeah. 6 o'clock when we were having dinner, my parents were like, we're never speaking to that person again! <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't it's care so, if it's our best friend. They're it's, dead to us. It's so cool that he that had open arms, especially you know, so around gaming. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's that atmosphere is what we try to engender, you know, and keep going. And for me and the rest of my family, it's very, and, and honestly, for some of those guys who knew my father, it's very cathartic because yeah. instead of, you know, we could, it's very, you know, loss of parent, you know, is very, very difficult. Uh, and most people have to kind of go through that on their own or with just their close family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this really wonderful experience. Um, you know, it's weird to refer to it that way, but, or odd, but it's become <laughs> a wonderful experience. Because now, at the time when normally I, you know, one would normally be thinking about their lost parent and, and, mourning. and getting sad. Yeah, yeah. Instead, in mourning, I said, I'm excited to get together with lots of people, remember them, play games, have a good time, form new friendships and new creative ventures and continue on his legacy. Uh, you know, in doing just, I'm sure he would, he would have loved this. You know, this, this, this is what oh, he liked yeah. to do. This is where he was happiest is hanging out with other gamers, swapping stories, uh, you know, drinking a beer, and, uh, you know, playing games. Um, yeah. And so I think this is a really fitting tribute, and it's so awesome that so many people join me and the rest of my family in doing that. So uh, I can't I can't say thank you enough to all of those guests who come and uh, take their time and put their effort into uh, running great events and all the GMs who, who come and support it too. So thank you all. I, I know I say that I'm when I post on Facebook or, or that sort of thing. But uh, I really do appreciate all of the hard work that people uh, 
put into making DerryCon a wonderful thing. It's certainly not. It's, it's a group event, and it takes a lot of people to make it to make it happen. So and I love I'm that. Very was, very thankful. I think that's awesome, and I think it's also cool that it's like a celebration of of, of life rather than taking the yeah. moment to to commemorate death in a way. It's more about like, hey, this is this is what he would have enjoyed, uh, and so we're going to do that in his honor. Um, yeah, so the, 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 tag, the tagline that I kind of developed uh, is just uh, uh, celebrating a life well played. I think oh, that's appropriate. That's really good. Very yeah. much so. Yep. So yep. the other cool so thing about... That on our t-shirts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> worth it. Totally worth it. Uh, so the other thing I was kind of interested when I when I was there uh, going to Lake Geneva, and it was something that my friend uh, Tavis Allison mentioned, but... You know, there were so many, po- I mean, because it's not a large town and, you know, arguably the largest thing to come out of it was TSR uh, and, and Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, that so many people in the town who still live there now remembered those days, remember when the company was growing and everyone was working there and, you know, they knew, a, even if they didn't, you know, work there themselves, they knew someone or, 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 or you know, their, their brother and their aunt, you know, worked there too. And so yeah. it was almost like a community type thing. Did you experience that when you were a kid growing up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Lake a small town, about 5,000 people. And in its heyday, uh, TSR employed 300, 300 people. 300. So, Whoa, is that big in its heyday? There was that big, people. yeah. That, they had 300 people. It, it, I think that was their highest. Their low 300s. Wow. 300 people. Yeah. So uh, uh, that might not have been the wisest move. I'm not sure what the bottom line, uh, the profit and loss sheet looked like on that. But, uh, <laughs> but they did have that many. They did have that many when just D&D was selling like hotcakes uh, because they they couldn't make game. You know, they couldn't make new products fast enough. Right. Um, you know, uh, it was that great. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's really wonderful. And uh, in fact. Uh, it's another cool thing I'm kind of, you know, guessing here about Garycon, but it was, it was really neat, uh, is on the 40th anniversary year of uh, Dungeons and, the publication of Dungeons & Dragons, um, we coordinated with um, the folks who own 330 Center Street, which was the house where I was born, where I was raised, mm-hmm. and where my father wrote Dungeons & Dragons, and we played D&D in 330 Center Street in chainmail in a sand table just like the old sand table that they used to play chainmail in the basement oh my where gosh. my dad's uh, shoe repair shop used to be. And so at Garycon, that was a special event, is you could go there and play D&D in the house and oh. chainmail in the basement. Wait, who so, I mean, li- how cool who, is that? Who lives in the house? Uh, I, I mean, like, uh, is you'll, it just you'll, regular muggles oh, like, in the house? Yeah, it's just, they had no idea. And they uh, said... Not, it's just, they yeah. said sure. They said yes. You you can do it. It's our. It's a. I think it was like a summer home for them. They okay. live in Chicago, and, and this is their summer home. And they said sure, you can do it. Uh, later on, though, the uh, it's kind of you know, of course, everyone uh, <clears throat> sees the opportunity. The the wife was a very very sweet lady, and uh, a very welcoming and, and very kind of her to let us uh, into the home. The, her husband a year later called and asked me if I wanted to, uh, uh, if I would make an offer for him on the door. Uh, in the basement oh. because it still had in handwriting uh, war gaming war gaming room entrance that my father had written in black oh. on marker on the door and uh, but he he was trying to see he was going to auction it off he wasn't <gasps> sure how much money he would he would be able to raise for it but he was trying to get me to offer him some some thousands of dollars to pay for the door oh I was like God. no that's okay I I have a picture of it thank you <laughs> right that's enough <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> I remember be like, that's I not his handwriting. He didn't write that. You're one of the few people who could be like, no, that's not his handwriting. <laughs> and then, and then buy yeah, it. Yeah, that was great. So, 
Yeah, I remember that door. It was still there. Uh, gosh, I don't know how many years, uh, you know, four, four years later, apparently, it was still, it was still there, you know. That's crazy. The same door in the house. So, it was so, pretty neat. So growing up in that house, uh, what, yeah. did you know when you, I'm trying to think when you were like even like a, you know, yeah. a little kid, you know, five, six, oh, did sure. you know what was, yeah. what was going on? Uh, no, I mean, I would say you're, you're right. I was, uh, you know, four when D&D came out, you know, uh, so I started taking dice. My earliest memories, you know, was hanging out with my father around the table with my brother and, you know, maybe Jim Ward or, you know, somebody like that, Rob and Terry Coons and, you know, playing, uh, uh, playing games, uh, gosh, the Village of Hamlet, I think is the first adventure that became the Village of Hamlet. I'm not sure if it was called that in the beginning, but, mm. uh, I, so I remember as my first character was, uh, uh, Man at Arms that the group hired hmm. and my dad said, oh, you can roll the dice for the Man at Arms, but he wasn't really just a Man at Arms. He was a ranger in the employee, the druid in the forest who was there to watch and make sure that you weren't servants of evil, but actually were, you know, heroes. <laughs> And uh, so that that became my first character, uh, Otis, who I'd played through the Giant series and Against the Drow, uh, all the way through those. Um, only <laughs> so he made it up to tenth level, and then uh, sadly, I don't know if my father was in a bad mood that day or not, but uh, I was I was pestering him to play uh, some Dungeons and Dragons, and so he took he said sure no problem, and he took me through the Tomb of Horrors oh, oh, adventure wait, wait. at about eight years old. <laughs> so, so I ended up going through. Uh, a uh, spoiler alert! Um, yeah, of course, everyone knows two more horrors, but uh, I ended up uh, uh, going through one of the tunnels and had my all my items, you know, teleported to uh, the. I think it's you know, they get teleported to Asrak's uh, uh, throne room or whatever. Oh the, my gosh! Uh, crypt room, and uh, so I was naked walking around, and I ended up uh, tripping the levers uh, in the in the pit room and dropping down a hundred foot a hundred foot pit. I think it was fifty foot pit, maybe. Uh, so I didn't die from that. I had over a hundred hit points, uh, so it rolled really well for him. But I was naked, no way to get out. So, uh, so was that, so <gasps> yeah. you were eight years old. So is that before yeah. you were like basically play testing this before it came out? Is that true? I think it had just, I think it had just come out cause that was probably, I was probably 10 by then. I, by the time I played that, it, it had to be early, late seventies, early eighties, 79, 80. Okay. I think it was West. I don't think I was play testing. I think, it, I think it had been published. Okay. It's probably the monochrome, monochrome version or something, but, uh, uh, right, maybe right. just come back from running it. I don't know. Maybe it was fresh. It's like, oh, I'm try this out, kid. Here you go. <laughs> 70, yeah, it was uh, first published in 78. So, yeah, it, must, it was yeah. right around that time frame. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was that was fun. But uh, I guess growing up, did I, did I really know it was special? I mean, I was young, and that was just my family, and that's what my dad did. Yeah. So I didn't especially appreciate how different that was than maybe most folks. When um, do you think that happened? When do you think that, that, that occurred in your, in your mind when you're like, Oh, I'm part of something that's special. Well, <laughs> you know, I'll, I said it, honestly, it really, really didn't hit me. You know, sure. Sure. He created Dungeons and Dragons, very big game. A lot of people played it. Uh, but I didn't really understand the impact that it had on, on folks' lives and, and, the impact I believe it has had on pop culture until really he, he passed away really? when I, when all these people started, you know, discussing how important it had been, how, how influential, how it had not only just something they had enjoyed playing, how it had influenced their, the direction that their lives took. Mm. And I thought about, you know, and I thought about it, well, geez, you know, look at the rise of, uh, fantasy and science fiction, uh, throughout our, 
TV and our entertainment and video games and this sort of thing. Um, and I just, I really started thinking about it a little bit more and it really dawned on me that he, he's actually, in my opinion, he, he has impacted popular culture to a larger degree. And I don't think outside of our small community, no one really knows that. Mm. I think that's, uh, I think that's, and I would like, I would like for that to be more for his impact and his effect to be a little bit more well-known. But, uh, yeah, shamefully, I guess, uh, I didn't, I did not, uh, put that much, uh, yeah, I didn't realize, I didn't, didn't dawn on yeah. me, uh, that, that other than creating this game and starting, you know, starting a, being very influenced in starting this industry, I didn't realize how, uh, the larger impact. So I give him credit for, for those things, but, uh, not the influence on popular culture. Right. right. So do you think he had any idea? How much of the impact that this game had on people? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I really don't. I think he he was pretty. I think he was always kind of blown away when people, uh, you know, wanted to make larger statements about. He's like, you know, hey, I'm just a guy who wrote a game, and uh, had a lot of fun doing it, and I like to play games, and you know, that's that's great. But uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, hmm. I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this, but yeah. no, I think he was a pretty humble guy, and I don't think that he uh, gave himself that much uh, credit for being more than a game designer. Um, uh, you know, I I know he was always very, it always made him very happy to hear uh, how uh, people had formed friendships around the table playing Dungeons and Dragons they had lasted them their lifetime, you know, 20, 30 years, yeah. or that they had, you know, met uh, their spouse, you know, by, by gaming. And of course the, and these are some of the stories that came to me, you know, by email or, um, you know, being posted up when my father passed away. Uh, guys shared personal stories like, like, you know, their mom was dying of cancer when they were 12 and the only way they could, deal with it and cope with, you know, but their, their coping mechanism was to get away by playing Dungeons and Dragons and there was, you know, some happy, you know, the good guys could win there and there would be things that would, that would help them or a right. person who just, they had a terrible learning disability, dyslexia or some things of that nature, but they thought these books were so cool that they just forced themselves to sit down and figure out how to read and mm-hmm. get, wow. get by that. Uh, and then they, now they're a doctor, you know, now they're, you know, things, things like that. So there was many stories like that or, Hey, you know, there was, there weren't many choices around my neighborhood. There was a lot of, you know, games and drugs and this sort of stuff, but I found my escape by playing D&D and hung out with the nerds. And now I work, you know, doing, you know, I kept me out of jail. I've gone to college and had a great life. And wow, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. Um, we've had, we've talked to so, so many people over the course of, you know, this podcast, even just like of, you know, people who use it through education yeah. and you know, are now yeah. uh, uh, helping young people come up with, use their imaginations uh, uh, in today's world. And as well as, you know, as the ones you were talking about, they, they dealt with yeah. adversity through, through, through being in this role playing thing. And, I, and yeah, it's funny that yeah. your, your, your father impacted so many lives through this game, but yeah, it's, it's almost tragic to think that he's unaware of, of, of how important it, 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 it figured for, for so many people. Yeah, I think he couldn't acknowledge when people told him that, but I think it also made him to a certain degree uncomfortable to be spotlighted too much. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that he, you know, I don't know that he enjoyed, you know, he just wanted to be one of the guys and he's like, I'm, you know, I'm a gamer. I like to play games too. I'm glad you're enjoying it and that I could, you know, um, 
But yeah, absolutely. I think if we pull back and we look at it, uh, role playing uh, is very, very valuable mm-hmm. because even though uh, you're sitting down you're with your friends, whatever, however you are, uh, you're working on problem solving as a group, uh, you're learning leadership skills, yeah. analysis, uh, being able to assert yourself, even if it's in a game, it's still practice at doing that. Oh, yeah, you know, if you absolutely. think about a lot of training programs, you, you, they will say, put yourself in a scenario, and right. now you play this person, you play this person, and that teaches you these skills. Well, yeah. think about it. You know, when you're when you're uh, you know in with a group and you're doing all this problem solving, and you are learning how to be, you know, more a little bit more assertive, leader, public speaking, and analysis, these sorts of things. And for some folks who are challenged in that area, which um, you know, a lot of people are afraid to speak in groups and these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Wow, it can really change your life and give you a lot of skill sets. Yeah, and the thing that I think maybe was you know an ancillary part of this, uh, but I think it's going to be really important in the in the years to come is empathy. Uh, you know, the idea that you can be yeah. in a uh, uh, you know imagine yourself in someone else's shoes is essentially what role playing is. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are gonna are gonna be doing a lot or, or need that skill set. A lot uh, of going forward. escape happening. Yeah, a lot of escape <laughs> needs to happen, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we've heard a lot of rumors about uh, just switching tracks a little bit. I'd love to hear a little bit more sure. about what it was like when you were a kid. Well, yeah. You know, not too much, but so I want to know more I about do. like, yeah, well, how was your father as a dungeon master? What was it like, you know, being not only. Uh, uh, you know, around all these people and and, sure. and seeing them making this stuff, but then how was it at the at the table yeah. as, as a young kid? Yeah, did, was there like a regular family game or yeah. you and uh, did all your siblings play? Sure. Yeah, um, my siblings uh, played a little bit when they were younger. I, I have a, obviously my oldest brother, Bernie, um, and I have three sisters, Lisa, uh, Heidi, and Cindy, and then me. Uh, I was five, uh, five children uh, back then. So you're the youngest? Uh, Bernie was a girl. Yeah, I'm the youngest of, of yeah, I'm the youngest. Uh, I have a half brother, Alex, from my father's uh, when he remarried, mm-hmm. um, and he's but he wasn't there in those earliest days, obviously. Right. Um, so I was the youngest. Um, but yeah, uh, Ernie, Ernie obviously would would play. Um, Elisa, Elisa, and Ernie, I think, were the first two who ever had a who ever played Dungeons and Dragons during a playtest. So, oh wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I think Rob Coons might have been there too. So those were the earliest delvers, if, if, if my memory serves me correctly on that. Of course, uh, um, uh, my sister Cindy is the one who selected Dungeons & Dragons as the name. Really? Uh, for the what? Game Dungeons & Dragons. My, my dad had a short list. And he's like, well, what do you think of this? And she said, I like Dungeons & Dragons, Dad. And so he went with Dungeons & Dragons. That's cool. Um, what else was on the list? Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> I, you know, I, I was so small. I was three. So oh, I, I can't remember, but uh, we need that list. Yeah, Cindy, give us the list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah we need because <laughs> that would be neat. Like, Wouldn't that know, be interesting? I don't know. Yeah, be inter- it would be very interesting. It could have almost been called something completely different. Yeah, was it uh, all word? And, that yeah. had, was it all word yeah. and word? Like, was it all uh, joined by an ampersand? Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. So I think that'd be neat. But I, yeah. well, you know, because sword and sorcery. I think he's kind of going for swords and yeah. sorcery. So there might have been, uh, you know, that. Uh, you know, same, uh, just with the same letter in the, in the ampersand joining. Could, could have very well been, uh, given what the, where they were going. But I don't want to, I can't say definitively, but, uh, uh, but yeah, the girls really didn't gain nearly as much, um, uh, as Ernie and I did. Uh, mm-hmm. I certainly, uh, by the time I was 
you know, old enough to, to join in uh, a gaming. We, we had regular gaming sessions. Uh, as obviously, the very youngest age, I'm four or five years old, they start gaming probably at 7 o'clock at night. So it's just getting started. And, of course, uh, you know, I would be very amped for the adventure and get to shake some dice for the first initial encounter, perhaps. But right. then, uh, Off the uh, unfortunately, my mother... Who uh, <laughs> was someone I couldn't defeat uh, with any dice rolls? I'd never make my signature there. <laughs> Despite trying, bedtime, yeah, I would have yes, but I would have to be marched off to bed and go to sleep. But uh, by the time I was you know eight, nine, ten, staying up a little bit later, uh, we'd moved uh, out of Lake Geneva uh, to a larger house in Clinton, and uh, I would play regularly with my father and uh, uh, some other folks, uh, neighborhood neighborhood people. And again, my dad welcomed in people. Uh, uh, Jeff Dalton was a neighborhood kid. He invited him over. He was a couple of years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister Heidi <laughs> dated a dated a guy named Jerry Savage, uh, who actually comes to GaryCon now and uh, does a lot of arts uh, uh, crafts. Uh, crafts uh, some great like handmade dragon pens. He did some. He did a laser engraved uh, leather uh, dice bags for some of the very important gamers. Cool. Uh, all handmade and separate for GaryCon, but. He, he was dating my sister Heidi briefly just for a couple times, and then when they uh, broke up, they were very on friendly terms. Nice guy. Uh, he, he asked my dad, he's like, "Hey, uh, would you mind if I joined your game?" And my dad was like, "Yeah, of course, absolutely. Come, come and join us." So you know, he he came in and and, and played with us there too. So we'd have weekly weekly game. Uh, you know, so sometimes fun. Jim Ward or I went Francois uh, Marcella Ferdeval, who did the French version of D and D when he was. Uh, when he was in, you know, he would he would play, and so you know, we'd invite people in and out. We'd play test often, play test uh, modules that my father was was working on. Mm-hmm. So uh, probably one of my favorites was the Lost Caverns of Sajkan. It was a lot of fun. Nice playing that one. So, yeah. So was it? I mean, I'm 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 trying to get your you know your take on what it was. I mean, because we've heard of him being in the other room. Uh, as the referee, you know, or as the as uh-huh. the, the dungeon master, was that how you guys played it, or was that you know a style no, that shifted? No, we, no, no. He, he was he was there usually in his in his chair, and we'd play in the living room, or I'd play in his den if we we're solo playing, and he would just uh, uh, talking at his DM screen, and his dice out there, and he'd talk you through it, and okay, uh, you know, he'd use dice rolls, and you know, he just I would say uh, he wasn't a rules lawyer, that's for sure. He just kind of he went with the story and and if you did something silly you know <laughs> you were probably going to pay the pay the price for it but uh he wasn't overly wrapped around mechanics um hmm. but uh, he was kind of stingy as a dm if you ask me uh a lot of times uh with like treasure and stuff you mean oh yes he wanted to keep it challenging for you right. uh, uh yeah so i remember i just mentioned lost caverns of Sash camp i was playing milf um uh, the fire magic user um my character that I made up after Otis uh, died. And so, gosh, I'm, you know, mid-levels, probably, you know, six, seven or something like that. And I'm solo adventuring, and there's a, uh, the Gorgamura is in one of those rooms. And so I'm duking it out with this thing, and, uh, it, of course, it breathed a fire breath. Uh, and uh, so I blew my saving throw. Well, of course, when you blow your saving throw from any magical fire or any, any, any you know, spell, fireball, whatever, you have to go down your character sheet and roll saves for all your stuff. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so he actually did that, and uh, amongst the items that I lost was my displacer cloak, which was oh. a very prized possession. Oh, I know. That is, like, the worst. So, it, I, yes, I know, and I was so, that was 
you know, it was hard to come by magic and then, you know, it would get destroyed. Uh, so yeah, I had to, uh, I think I had seven hit points left and I was, I went over eight, over eight melee rounds doing this thing out where I was missing it. It was missing me. I knew it was almost dead, but I was like, you know what, you, I'm not, you're going to die for taking out my displacer cloak. So, uh, <laughs> luckily I, I hit first, took out the Gorgomir, but yeah, every time. And then in, in the Lost Caverns of Sarge Camp, you have to get to the center of it. Uh, so many times you have to test these various doors and you keep getting teleported to a random spot around there. So, and that's, that is of course part of the mapping was also very important back then. You had to map and figure out where you were and he wouldn't give you any hints on, on mapping. He'd describe it to you and you had to, yeah, just that was it. your job. Right. Yeah, that was your job to figure out where you were. So once you get randomly teleported around, you know, I got to know the dungeon pretty well. You'd be like, okay, you know, 10 feet, 20 feet, turns east, you go uh, 10 feet, 20, 30 feet, you go into a room with the, uh, you know, uh, bones of Gorgamira and uh, the trail of elven, you know, some displacer cloak ashes and the trail of elven tears. I'm like, okay, how I have to always put that, <laughs> always put that one in there to remind me. That's what that's, that's, that was there. So, uh, but yeah, no, uh, he enjoyed, you know, he enjoyed making it a challenge for him. He, he wouldn't, you know, I don't think he would shoot to the monster or anything like that, but you sure, you know, didn't mind if the, if the, you know, if you, uh, if, it, if you really had to struggle uh, and, and really, to, you feel the accomplishment when you, uh, you know, when you uh, solve something or you right. vanquished uh, an enemy, so and I think that's actually good. You know, it's not it, it makes it it makes it more fun. It's not a walk through the park. Right. It's supposed to be a struggle. Did you ever feel like um, he was uh, pulling punches when he was playing, like in the family game? No, no. I told you, Otis. Nice. I was you know eight or nine, <laughs> and that was my tenth level ranger, and I lost all my stuff, fell down a pit, and uh, <laughs> that was that. Now I. I admit, I'll admit, my sister busted me anyway on uh, on social media because she said, "Hey, and you cried." I did cry <gasps> when my character died. So he <laughs> of said, "Well, you, did. you know, <laughs> yeah." So he said, "Well, you know, um, Morgan Kanan uh, is going to be crying for you, and uh, uh, I'm sure he'll he'll teleport you out of there and bring you back. You know, after a week or two when you don't come back or something like that." So you <laughs> you and Sarah, whatever. But I never played the character again. He was essentially, you know, he was taken out. So yeah. So no, he didn't. Uh, he didn't go too easy on things. Uh, uh, he would give me hints because I was young on things. He would definitely right. give me some hints. But I, you know, I think we do that for all of our players. That I know when I uh, make up a scenario, and I'm like, "This is a big giant hint. These guys are totally. If they do this, they're totally going to get the hint. That's going to point them in the right direction on how to, you know, resolve this situation and get to the next step." It never works that way. <laughs> you, know, you think it's so obvious, and the party's like, "Well, nope." Jeez, what do we do? I don't know. Should we go back now? Or you know, I'm like, oh, no, guys. So you know, everybody needs a hint. Uh, I think uh, every now and again. Um, nice. But uh, but yeah, you think about some of the classic stuff. You can see my dad, uh, my dad's uh, DMing style. Um, mm -hmm. uh, very different than you know, it evolves a little bit. But uh, I think about the you know the drow. Uh, if you remember the descent into the uh, yeah the yeah. vaults and all sorts of stuff all that neat magic items, right? I remember going through there and going, oh, oh, this is awesome. We got these great, you know, boots and cloak and these weapons and all sorts of stuff. And of course, we get out uh, afterwards and the next day uh, we go to look at our stuff like, oh, yeah, that looks kind of brittle and doesn't look quite right anymore. And like, oh, yeah, oh, sunlight has, you know, taken its magical property it's all kind of crumbly and yeah. So, oh, gosh. Did he do that? Yeah. Now, see, it's so funny to think about, like, oh, right, was that just made up on the spot, or was that something that he planned all along? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? It's so I funny how, like... I wouldn't put it past him, yeah. 
his improvisations oh, no, ended up being canon for something that like yeah. you know Bob Salvatore has written about and yeah. it's like like you know it's going to be in every edition. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it's uh, I think it's basically to keep too much powerful stuff out of the players' hands, right? And make keep the game fun, exciting, a challenge. Yeah, I could totally um, see making that up on the fly and then being like, "All right, well, that's yeah. just how it works now because it's my game." <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so that's. Uh, but I got to turn the tables on him. I uh, I wrote a module um, a number of years ago. Without again, uh, I guess I should boost that out. Uh, Lost, uh, sorry, the Lost City of Gaxmore. I wrote that with my brother Ernie, mm-hmm. and my dad. My dad uh, play tested it uh, with us, and uh, uh, I remember he got into, he was playing uh, Tempest Ranger. Uh, a, a fighter there and he was duking it out with a, a hill giant and I had a he uh, could breathe uh, I get an acid breath capability mm-hmm. and uh, you know that hit my dad several times and he was boy he was really unhappy with that so I made him make saving throws for all the stuff of course how many how many years after after that was that was that like you know oh well, yeah I would <laughs> Yeah, it was probably 2000. So, all right, so uh, yeah. two decades yeah. later, uh, you're able to find later. it. Love it. Yeah. Probably doesn't remember it but, happening. But the best part, the best part was he kills the whole giant. He's like, okay, great. He's looting the body. He's like, where's the, uh, you know, where's this thing that gave you know, some jewelry item or wear a necklace or something? How is he doing with that? Potion? What is it? I was like, oh no, it was a magical tattoo that allowed him <laughs> of a black dragon that gave him three black, you know, acid breaths a day. He's like, what? He's like, that's the cheapest thing you're stingy. <laughs> 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 I, like, you say, I, I learned, learned it from watching you. From the, that's right. I learned from the master. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> so, yeah. are there any uh, uh, Easter eggs of uh, you know, uh, you know? I know there's always like characters and stuff that were always in the original like groups that you would play with. Is there anything that that, that you recognize from those older books that only you and your family would know? Uh. I mean, just really the name, the, the place names of, of like Greyhawk on the Greyhawk map and things like that. Oh, really? Um, the one that jumps, one that jumps to mind is there's a place called the Pomars, and that's been overrun. You know, it's, it's a home of humanoids and orcs and all sorts of bad and evil stuff. Well, of course, my mother's name is Mary Jo Powell, <laughs> so that was <laughs> he'd he mix that around, so it became the Pomars. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, not. Not hard to figure out. The principality of Ulick is Luke. Uh, Ivy is Heidi. Oh, oh that's you. Oh, I, I didn't know Alexa. any of this. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. They're all. I mean, he. I guess he was fond of, of anagrams and, and backwards things yeah, like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Perrinland is Jeff Perrin, who wrote Chainmail uh, with my father, and who will also be uh, running uh, Cavaliers and Roundheads, and hopefully Chainmail at Derryton. Nice. Can play with the. Uh, yeah. Play with uh, play with Jeff Perrin there. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, there's tons of, of that in the Greyhawk maps for sure. Mm. Uh, that are all you know people that he knew or family and things like that. Um, it, uh, uh, my cousin Hugh was um, uh, an organ, amongst many other things. He could tune organs like church organs and things like that. So I think there's a magic items there like the Seward's Seward's organs or pipes or like that. Oh, yeah. That's Hewards, familiar. Yeah. yeah, Hewards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, that's Cousin God. Hugh. Right, so just things like, just things like that. Um, I isn't mean, there like a haversack? Isn't there like Hewards haversack or something? Hewards haversack, yeah. yeah. It's probably because he was always, he was always tinkering with things. He had, he had like a storage barn full of old, odd stuff like, uh, <laughs> you know, cars. Right. Uh, 
uh, like, all the yeah, parts that you would need. Like a vice presidential, like a vice presidential, vice presidential limo from the seventies, you know, uh, like the second limo or something like that. And you'd always tinker with them. So if you needed to borrow a car because yours was in the shop, you could borrow one from you. But you would be like, oh yeah, uh, if it makes this noise, that means you better go here, tighten this up, or do this, or you know, wiggle this doohickey or whatever. So he was always tinkering with things to keep it to keep it going because uh, he was very mechanically inclined. But of course, unless you were him. Uh, it was hard to keep the it car. It was very hard to do that, right? Yeah, my brother is like that too. Where it's like, oh, you gotta do it. Just do is do the undercarriage and move the thing. I'm like, I, <laughs> you're saying words I don't understand. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. yeah, he he was great with that sort of stuff. And uh, uh, oh, that's uh, where yeah, the, that's where the haversack comes from. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. So there's 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 lots of those, uh, you know, in the books. Um, tons of anagrams and, and inspirations for names because, of course, you know, it's hard when you're making up tons and tons of names yeah uh you need to have some sort of uh, inspiration it's like yeah. people coming up with passwords nowadays like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta have so many passwords to come up with it's gotta you know haversack okay, yep. there you go <laughs> that's not my password don't don't hack me to greg's computer right don't hack now. me please um so yeah are there any uh, do you have any named spells that that uh, that came from those era too uh sure well i mean the Melf's my meteors was mine. That's because uh, really uh, I actually developed that. Yeah, oh, I didn't know I that. I developed that and yeah, Melf oh, was my character. Yeah, you so. said you actually that didn't even. Melf was your character. Melf is such a. I thought it was Otis. Melf. Mm-hmm. But he had. Well, Otis was my first, and then, and then he Melf. died. So, so I made up Melf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, so all like, like the Melf's acid arrow and everything. Like, that's did, all you. Did Otis yeah. not get yeah. any? Otis didn't get any love. <laughs> He, he didn't get any love. He's uh, he's referred to in the village of T1, the village of Hamlet, um, because uh, one of the guys that you can, one of the people that you can hire <laughs> is, works for the Druid. Uh, really, he'll go with a man at arms, but he's a spy for the, the Druid to make sure you're not okay. an evil party. And he has a magic axe. He's, I think his name is Elmo or something. He's kind of big and dumb is what he's playing, big and dumb. And uh, he'll, he'll say, uh, uh, my brother Otis gave me this axe or something. So that, that's that's oh. just that's the only shout right. out I know of to Otis. And, and that I, was the man of so yeah, arms Mel- that, that you were playing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah correct. Exactly. Hmm. And uh, but yeah, no, Mel- I'm a Melt Minute Meteors. I made up because uh, <clears throat> in Greyhawk um, uh, dungeon when I was uh, going through uh, thirty by there was thirty by thirty room, and of course I was like, great, thir- uh, you know, thirty by thirty room. I would throw a fireball in there if I saw a creature. I'd be like, great, fireball. Yeah, I made fifth level. I was excited to throw a fireball. Well, of course, the ceiling is, you know, 15 feet high or whatever. So the it's going to fill up 30 by 30 by 30. That means that some of the fire is going to come down the hallway. So I kept getting hitting myself with my own fireballs right. because I was I would forget about the ceiling, right, the height. Uh, so I said, well, geez, you know, is there a way I can, you know, I want like three smaller fire or you know several smaller fire balls of fire that i can shoot out into. so i had this and what do you have to do you have to take time out of the game you have to spend money to go research and then you know make a roll and see if you can come up with yes you can successfully think you know right up with what do you think the spell is like and then you would tweak it a little bit to make sure it was in the level range or whatever yeah and that one actually made it into there uh mel's acid arrow wanted to shoot other spell casters and keep them from casting spells at me because if you're taking damage you can't cast a spell so i figured aha if i can shoot them with an arrow because i used a bow i'm waiting that close into play um i could hit them and then this arrow would continue to do a little bit of damage for several rounds they couldn't be throwing spells i'd close in there and beat them up nice that, 
that was my my thought process on that one. So yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, so yeah, and then there's uh, spell components. I did, well, you know, thought like for a gust of wind, the spell component is a, a legume, obviously. <laughs> to, to break wind. That's <laughs> what we were exactly. talking about earlier. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> was that was yeah. that was that your kid potty humor in there? <laughs> yeah, actually, my, that was my father. My father like we, you know, he. <laughs> he had a sense of humor too. So he liked that sort of stuff. So yeah, there's little little silly things like that. Like lightning bolt, I think, isn't it a piece of fur and a glass rod or something like that to generate static electricity? So I mean, just silly stuff. Um, uh, so there's there's those little things in there. Um, Do you still? Yeah, did uh, you play? I mean, so yeah, let's talk a little bit more. You could you were in the military, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I still am. In the, I'm still in the army. I'm actually a full time California Army National Guardsman. Oh wow! I didn't realize. Oh, great. No. You know what? You know what? When we were planning this, you did say you did need to go do like a uh, uh, like a, a mission, thing. yeah, like a thing. And I was like, oh god, oh. <laughs> not like a D and D mission. Not like, like a D and D mission, like yeah. a real mission. <laughs> no, no, yeah, there's, there's there's real stuff going on. So yeah, I've been uh, I've been in 27 years. Ten of those were uh, uh, as a part time, like a, a traditional drilling national guardsman. You know, one weekend a month, two weeks a year, and uh, the rest have all been. Active or on active duty in the regular army, or active duty working for the state of California. Now, do you? Uh, uh, what made you want to get into uh, into that? Was it you know part of? Oh, the... Well, I would say, interestingly enough, I uh, I wanted to, uh, as all young men, uh, I think, or many uh, young people, men and women, for that matter, want to assert their independence uh, when they mm-hmm. are eighteen. I wanted to. Uh, you know, do my own thing and, and make my own way and not have to listen to my father or my parents because uh, I was so wise at 18. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so I said, well, I would join the Army as a, as, and send myself to college as opposed to uh, uh, listen to my parents. So uh, okay. it was a great, you know, it, it was a good experience. And I'm glad that I did it. But uh, my motivations made it were, you know, now as, as a young man. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to join the uh, uh, I was going to join Navy Reserves or something like that, uh, uh, but uh, they, they talked to me and said, well, you can just do two years and get out and you'll have your college money. And I was like, well, two years, that sounds great. Uh, 27 years later, <laughs> I'm still in uniform. <laughs> yeah, they got you for the next 25. <laughs> yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. I signed up for two and I'm still here, still there 27 years later. Well, that's cool. Well, thank you for, for everything you've done. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, do, uh, uh, yeah, uh, do you do you, like do people on uh, uh, base or anything? I mean, we hear a lot from from military folks who you know mm-hmm. when they're deployed, they play D and D and and uh, are always hungry for more stuff uh, over there to to entertain them. And it seems like a perfect fit for when you're not in you know in actively going out and doing stuff to and during the downtime to to to, to play. So did did you experience that a lot? Sure, absolutely. I was in uh, in uh, Operation Desert Storm, the first Iraq War. Yeah. Uh, over there, and uh, uh, I still actually <laughs> some of those guys still come to Garytown now. Obviously, they're all out oh, of the military, that's awesome. uh, but they still come to Garytown and, and and we play. But yeah, we played. Uh, I didn't have the books or anything, so I we just kind of made up. I made up. I had some some dice, so, huh. uh, some six sided dice. So I, had, I just made up some game, and uh, you know we just we just played. But, so uh, so we, did you ever like meet anyone that's like, hey, I know this really great game. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. You want to play with me? <laughs> Do you ever have you ever just been like, dude? My dad made that game. Do you ever drop the Gary Gygax bomb? 
I actually that makes it's always made me so uncomfortable uh, uh, to do that. I I I I never do that. I always think that's it just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, um, you sound like too I, much of a nice I, person I to, to do that. Well, I mean, even yeah. you could say it. Like, I mean, it would just be funny if somebody was like, "Do you want to play D and D?" Or have you um, ever played D and D before? I would just. I would just say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a gamer, yeah, I, and I would just approach you that. I, would, I probably wouldn't say anything about it. And then maybe later I would tell them as I got to know them. But um, certainly play. many people, mm-hmm. certainly many people, because you wear your name on your uniform, yeah. um, they would be like, guy Jax. And they're like, oh, hey, are yeah. you related to the guy? And I'd be like, yeah, that's my dad. They're like, no way. Oh, my no God. You know, so, yeah. That, 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 and that's always, always, always made me feel uncomfortable. So now after so many years, it makes me feel like, yeah, you know what? That's that's my that was my dad. And that's, yeah. That's really oh. Now now I'm much more comfortable with it. But right. when you're a younger guy and you're trying to be your own person and establish yeah. who you are, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily want to be compared to your your parents or uh, all the time. So uh, now I'm very happy with that and I'm very comfortable with it. But as a younger guy, I, you know, I I certainly would be a little bit more shy away from that. But it certainly made a lot opened a lot of doors, made a lot of a lot of friends. A lot of good friends uh, mm-hmm. through gaming, and and uh, you know we share that. And I, I think that's common with with every other gamer. I mean, my, me, my geek flag flying is just my last name. You know, I didn't have to carry a D and D book with me or something like that. Right. Uh, but I think that experience is shared by all of us. We've been somewhere, and uh, through our uh, shared love of gaming, made some fast friends. You know, in new places. That is so cool. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, uh, I think we, we, we covered a lot, uh, and yeah, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, if nothing else, I think we've, we've, we've shown that you're an incredibly engaging conversationalist, yes, and if you want to learn... and very humble and, and nice. Exactly. So go to, uh, you know, again, everybody, go to GaryCon or, or find out more about how you can go to GaryCon next year uh, and uh, uh, siphon off some of this, this goodwill that, that you've built up, Luke. This is just uh, amazing. No, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, guys. And yeah, if you, there's still time to make it to GaryCon 9 in March 23rd to 26th of this year. If you can't make it there, watch next year. It'll be in early March, GaryCon 10. It's a big year. We're going to hit the uh, 10th year uh, in 2018. So there'll definitely be some special guests and some real exciting stuff. So uh, thanks all for listening to me, and I hope to see you uh, in Lake Geneva in March. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, GaryCon.org, is that where people can go to find out more? Uh, Nope, it's GaryCon.com. Dot com, sorry. Yep, GaryCon.com. Yep, and that will, you can figure out, you can read about GaryCon, learn more, and you go, you can buy GaryCon swag from past GaryCons. It's still out there. If you want to sport a GaryCon t-shirt or something like that. Yeah, you can be like, hey, look, I was at GaryCon too. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But no, GaryCon.com, go there, and uh, like I said, Cool. Uh, check it out. Hopefully you'll grab a badge and we'll see you there. Awesome. And are you yourself on any social media or anything that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's uh, GaryCon. Gary.con is our Instagram. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, GaryCon Gaming Convention is our Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. Luke.dex. That's pretty easy to find. Sweet. What kind of stuff do you post on, on your Instagram? Uh, on my Instagram, it's a mix of my children and gaming stuff. So <laughs> okay. Three, right. Like most I have people. three beautiful daughters. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> so I have to, uh, yeah, that's pretty much me yeah, and Shelly's life, daughters. too, is, mm-hmm. is, is little ones and, and gaming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they're, they're little, and they like to play games, too, and 
uh, hopefully it'll, they'll be uh, able to join me at Barrytown here very soon. Yeah. But it's uh, it's tough to run a convention and uh, and uh, try to parent a, a tough assignment. Oh. They're young. They're, my uh, oldest, Miriam, is nine. And my middle one, Amira, is six. And then I have my baby, Sabrina, and she's three. So, wow. uh, yeah, they, they, I have yeah, but future gamers all, future gamers all, I'm sure. I know. My five-year-old uh, girl, I'm trying to get her to, to start playing. I think uh, it's, it's time. Oh, it's, yeah. She's primed. She's, she's ready totally to go. Oh, yeah. Totally. So we'll have to get yeah, them. No, my, Miriam has a second-level ranger already. Oh, so, cute. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> she likes And a uh, uh, great guy, uh Stefan Picorni, uh, Dwarven Forge, was yeah. uh, kind oh, yeah. of we me a bunch. Yeah, he's, Stefan is a great guy. He also comes to GaryCon and supports it uh, uh, as well and runs great theatrical Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition. That's his thing. But he has these great uh, dungeon setups, you know, with his uh, with the uh, yeah. dungeon tiles. Uh, and he was kind enough to give me a bunch of dungeon tiles, and my daughter Miriam has enjoyed uh, playing with them uh, for several years. So oh, cute. Uh, she. Yeah, she's instead of she doesn't have doll houses or things like that. She has. Uh, you know, she's got the dwarven. That actually yeah. would. Be, it's like, They're pretty much the same. Really cool. <laughs> I might have to pick some up for yeah. my kid. That is cool. Well, wait yeah, until absolutely. they understand what their grandfather's legacy yeah. is I mean, when they can fully yeah. appreciate how it's still going. That is true. Yeah, we'll, and we'll have to get our, our yeah. little ones all together to play a game at some point. I think that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. that would be fun. Awesome. Well, thanks right, again, guys. Luke, uh, yeah. and sure. uh, uh, have a great GaryCon. I think I'm going to send yeah. some goodwill and uh, swag with all Thank the guys you. that are going uh, yep. oh, from great. from uh, from this time. So okay, thanks, man. Bye. All right, enjoy. Bye. Bye. That was really cool to hear all that history. I know. I want to know more. I well, know. we'll have him on again. We will. Yeah, Hopefully. because there's so much. I didn't want to get like too like deep into like, but I want to know. Yeah. I want to know lots. Why didn't like all the like spells and like the There's name so references like Ulek? I never but even, even realized just, like, that was in, Luke. Like what? Kid, you know, like dads. Dads play games with their kids. Like, did he ever just like was everything just cool? <laughs> like, just like a little throwaway game. Was that like super cool? Like, what? Come on. Right. You know, what my dad used to play with us. Yahtzee. No, he would hold our heads down and fart on us. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle right? conversation I know. here. Yeah. This is there's definitely a theme. Yeah. That's the game my dad invented. Did he uh <laughs> did he use legume first <laughs> for his gust of wind spell? Never ate beans. Why did you think this was okay? And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm getting really upset. Oh. Why did my mom let him do that? Maybe she didn't know. She, she didn't know what's happening this whole time. She knew she was probably like, Thank God it's not me. She's an enabler. That's why I had kids. <laughs> Distract uh, more, the beast. More targets for the gust of wind spell. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, but you know, like, I mean, I don't know. Just imagine him, Gary Gygax, as your dad. I know. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to pick uh, Luke's brain again uh, right. and get to the heart and of And Gary Khan, how cool is that? Yeah, But I that know. show is growing a lot because I remember when he started it. I do, too. So you got to get in. Yeah. Now. And like I said, it was it was really interesting three, four years in, and now it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool like that an institution. You yeah. Did you ever meet Gary Gygax? No. No, I didn't. I really only started writing about uh, D&D in earnest uh, that, that year he passed away. Yeah, in like 2008. So mm. never did. But now I feel like I, I, I you know got like a more of a complete picture. And hopefully yep. you guys listening at home or in your car or on the electronic or iTunes. Or in the gym. Or in the gym. Because we're inspiring workouts. And it's January. Hmm. So, oh, it's, so that, everybody's in so the gym. So he's probably not in the gym anymore. Well, that's what you're not. saying. Yeah, maybe not. A couple weeks. In February, ago. he won't nah. be in the gym anymore. 
Seriously. Uh, but speaking of this podcast and how it inspires people, uh, <laughs> perhaps you are inspired now to write a review. Uh, a good review. Uh, uh, well, it, we, we don't, we, we're not going to stipulate that. No. But, I mean, we would be thankful if it's a good review. Yeah, but any review, any constructive feedback will tank. Yeah. Uh, and especially a rating on iTunes because that helps, uh, you know, more people get to know about our awesome hobby as well as mm -hmm. the amazing story of growing up Gygax, which I still think is uh, a memoir waiting to be, waiting to be oh, written. Oh, we didn't tell him. I know. We'll but we're telling you now, Luke. We're ghostwriting. We're ghostwriting. <laughs> we're it right writing now your based, memoir based on this podcast. You we're taking notes the whole time you were talking. So go ahead and do that, and then of course uh, you can also on Google Play and all the other places that this podcast can be found. Uh, get the word out. Yep, we like it. Yep, we want more people talk to hear to it. Us. Yeah, talk to us and let us know on the Twitters. I'm at Greg Tito. I'm at Shelley Moo. And Wizards uh, underscore. underscore D and D is the official Dungeons and Dragons account. So go ahead and follow there as well as on the Facebooks, the Tumblers and all of the other social oh. medias, twitch.tv slash, uh, Watsy underscore D and D. Um, we'll be doing a lot more fun stuff, uh, on, uh, on streaming. Really? This year in 2017. Really? Yeah. Just throwing that out. Okay. A little Easter egg for you. Like what? Like things. Okay. Dice camera action is coming back. Oh, good. Yeah. The Waffle Crew will be going Waffles. and doing some uh, Storm King's Thunder action. Cool. It will be giant. Well, let's play Tomb of Horrors. Let's play Tomb of Horrors. You can even stream it. We'll do it right I'll now. I'll sit with my back to the camera. <gasps> okay. <laughs> you okay. can wear a paper bag over your head. Uh, the Unknown Sorcerer. That's who I'll be. Oh. I like it. With the bag over my head. I got it. Yeah. Did you get the reference? Like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? No, like the unknown comic from the Gong Show. Oh. Come on, I thought you of all people Bong. would know that. Did you not watch the Gong Show? Do I you not, not remember the unknown comic? I did watch the sh the movie that was based on the guy. Yeah. Which was really good. Yeah, that's Sam right. Rockwell yeah. played, uh, what's, I forget the name of the actual guy now, but who he thought he was a CIA operative mm -hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Very delusional. Yeah. It's a good movie. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yes. All right. Go watch that. We'll be playing Tomb of Horrors. Thank you for listening to okay. Dungeons. Thank you, everyone. Dragon Talk. Bye-bye. <laughs> um, and scene. And Dragon Talk. <laughs>